Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. G'day, Lewis. Hello, Dan. How are you? Excellent. Now, we have got some new Patreon supporters this week. Nadia Gutierrez, Andy Leach, David Thomas, and a guy called Alan Jones. No way. Yeah, he's a scaremonger. Now, he's not the Alan Jones that is famous for inciting race rights, Lewis, nor is he the Alan Jones who is uh, a famous Formula One champion. This is Alan Jones who is a a tech startup coach and investor. He's a bit of a big deal around the uh, Australian tech scene. So big thanks to Alan Jones for supporting the show. Yeah, thanks so much. And if you do want to start a race, right, you just let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Patreon, thank you so much. You are now covering 70% of our costs, so thank you. Uh, At this rate, we should be covered our costs by Christmas, hopefully. (laughs) Another way to support (laughs) Irrational Fear is to offset the carbon emissions with your car with Go Neutral. For every $90 sticker, Go Neutral will buy 3.5 tonnes of carbon offsets on your behalf, which is about the average yearly emissions for a car, and then five bucks of that comes to us. So if you want to go and uh, carbon offset your car, check out the link in the show notes. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on the land of the Koori in the country of Buderi. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra Fair and Section 44. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, Netflix is increasing its prices. Australians will now pay $2 extra to not get around to watching thousands of shows a month. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison withdraws support for wind and solar projects and will only commit federal money to assist fossil fuel infrastructure because that's the quickest way to bring about the rapture. And despite calls from Andrew Bolt to allow people to die so they can buy more stuff, Dan Andrews is holding fast to his controversial Keeping Victorians Alive policy. It's the 18th of September, but who's counting? This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Don't forget to unplug 
Dow Chemical. Welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm former CEO of Dow Chemical, Dan Illich. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. He is one of the breakout stars from the COVID comedy circuit known as TikTok. He has half a million followers. <laughs> and for maximum comedy value, he lives on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. It's Blake Pavey. G'day, Blake. G'day. How's going? Thank you for having me. No, no worries. Now, does living on the border help with doing COVID-based comedy? Not too sure. I've had a few comments that are telling me to do some more border-related stuff, but I'll um, I'll have to get onto that soon. But I just pretty much like to take the piss out of anyone and everyone, so it doesn't really matter where I am. I just like to take the piss out of everything. Great. Well, glad you're on this show. And she was one half of the ill-fated afternoon radio program, Veronica and Lewis, <laughs> until she unfortunately fell pregnant. But on the bright side, she's now managed to monetize her baby. It's Veronica Milsom. <laughs> yeah, that's um, so true. I'm very... Uh, actually embarrassed about the fact that I am doing that. But thank you, Dan. You're the one that read the ad earlier. I was like, oh, no, this is my future, reading ads. Uh, well, now you've got a, a podcast all about parenting and ethical parenting. Did you ever think having a child would also become a side hustle? Um, never. But I actually always knew that I was going to become a parent. But now I just look at my kids and I see dollar signs. You know? <laughs> Pretty much. I'm like, how can I get more shit for free from them? <laughs> and he was one half of the ill-fated afternoon program, Veronica and Lewis, until Veronica unfortunately <laughs> fell pregnant. He is yet to hold his own offspring in his hands. It's Lewis Hover. Yes, uh, just here, childless and alone. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, this is quite the reunion we've got going on here. I know, I know. Veronica and I actually caught up yesterday, so we have no more stories to share with each other. <laughs> yeah, except that we forgot that we were going to see each other tonight. We were like, all right, see you sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Walked away. A little later on in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the big week of corporate irresponsibility with Executive Director of the Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility, Bryn O'Brien. But first, here's a message from our sponsors. A message from the Quiet Australians. Hi, I'm John Citizen of the Quiet Australians. You may have heard of us, or maybe not. We're very quiet. For too long, we've almost been silenced, but no longer. It's time for us to speak up, figuratively speaking. What do we believe? Well, we believe whatever it's politically convenient to believe in. This includes economic growth at all costs, dispatchable coal power, franking credit credits, quarterly tax cuts, trickle-down economics, fracking, land clearing, and keeping refugees locked up indefinitely, like Jesus would have done. Also, if you can't afford to see a doctor, you should die. Public education should be privatised, so should the army. And we believe that politicians are undervalued and underpaid. Why are we so quiet, you ask? Because no one would want to be heard advocating for shit like this. But the quiet Australians aren't alone. We've got the backing of the silent majority. Isn't that right, Therese Jenkins, president of the silent majority? <laughs>
Always great to have a sponsor on board. All right, let's get stuck into the fears. The fears this week. Changes to the citizenship test are afoot. It may seem we have this conversation like every three years, but the Courier-Mail, known for the racist dog-whistling sound it makes as it flies through the air before it lands on Queensland's lawns, reports that Immigration Minister Alan Tudge is going to add some questions to the test. Questions like... Is it acceptable to strike your spouse? Is it okay to prohibit girls from education? Do religious laws override Australian laws? No, not those religious laws. Um, He means actually Muslim laws. Should people in Australia make an effort to learn English? Of course, the answer to all of these is no, because if Pauline Hanson hasn't made an effort to learn to speak English, why should new citizens? (laughs) There is also a bunch of questions about mateship, known as global friendship, as other people call it, or in Australia, how to get a government contract contract. The, there's also questions about the fair go, which I believe was phased out sometime in around 1998. So fear mongers, are these questions still relevant in 2020? What would you like to see on the citizenship test? Uh, Veronica? Oh, nothing that the immigration department is going to suggest. Like they're <laughs> hardly the people we turn to for, you know, the moral compass of this nation. I just think for 2020 in particular, I mean, we could ask questions about where you can't go out for a coffee, um, questions about <laughs> the lockdown and stages of that in particular. It's so weird that this comes up all the time, isn't it? It's so strange. Now, Blake, you're you're doing your HSC this year. Um, you're about to embark on a huge test. Uh, do you think everything you've already learned is completely irrelevant? Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, I do. English is one of my subjects. So, you know, stuff that I've been learning has probably never really been relevant, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, overall, I think it's good that our values are being incorporated in some way. I don't think it's really harmful to, you know, probably, you know, remind people what they are. I mean, a lot of Australians probably need to relearn them themselves, but, um, but yeah, I just, you know, I don't really have an opinion on too much, but I, you know, they're, they're not the hardest questions to get past that, you know, striking your spouse, like, you can say that, no, it's not acceptable, but it doesn't stop someone from, you know, going out and hitting their wife when they get home. Like, they're not the hardest questions to really get past. So, you know, to see the point of them is sometimes a little bit hard, but, but yeah, I don't know. You're saying they should cheat. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm pretty tempted to do it in my HSE exams coming up because I know bugger all. So, you know, <laughs> I advocate for anything. It definitely does feel like a lot of those questions, like the, the politics of it comes when it becomes the Australian values section. Yeah. A lot of that is just Australian laws. Yeah, right. Like just don't break the law is... Uh, yeah, like what side of the road do we drive on? You know, like that's pretty much the same as, as some of those questions. They're just legal questions, a bunch of them. Yeah, but the ones in particular about like um, questions about racial abuse and whether you should do it, I'm like, are they testing how good people are at being racist? Because that probably is more Australian than anything else. <laughs> it's a know? trick question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the question they ask you to get into the Australian cricket team. Like you have, yeah. to, you have to be really good at sledging. Yeah. <laughs> or to be a dad, you know, a boomer. <laughs> it's, to, it's to get you into bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a rational fear. Second fear tonight, Australia's border wars have hit a new low with a Sydney family asked to decide which one of its four kids will be allowed to cross the Queensland border to say goodbye to their dying dad. Now, this is heartbreaking because only one of the kids is allowed to say goodbye to the dad and that kid also has to go to Queensland. It's uh, very, very heartbreaking. And this is not the first time this has had to happen. Uh, Right across the country, the border 
lockdown has prevented people from seeing their dying family. Blake, Tom Hanks was allowed into Queensland this week. What's your take on this? Well, I just think there's a lot of hypocrisy that's going on within the Queensland government. Like, I just think they need to get their priorities in order. I don't. Th- I just think it's the biggest load of bullshit that someone who wants to come in to shoot a movie or AFL execs who want to come in to watch a game of the AFL finals are being let in willy-nilly and families who, you know, you know, had to deal with family matters at, you know, at the drop of a hat aren't being let in. I reckon if you can fit your entire family into a car, they should let you in. Like, yeah. I mean, even if you've got a, a big Opus Day family, if you've managed to squeeze 10 people in a five-person car, let him in. I reckon if my mum was unwell and in Queensland, she'd probably prefer to see Tom Hanks than me. <laughs> <laughs> it is a strange time to try and be funny. Irrational fear. But will it make you laugh? Eh, there'll be some good stuff, maybe one or two stinkers. You know the drill. Final fear for tonight. Uh, Sir Stephen House, one of the UK's most senior coppers, has gone on an extraordinary rant about Extinction Rebellion protesters going all floppy when the police <laughs> try to get their hands on them. Tweet, you're under arrest. Uh, to, be, to be fair, one of the people they arrested was a 92-year-old, and I'll tell you what, if I was that age, I'd be all floppy too. If a protester goes limp, uh, it can take four officers to carry them away, which can really interfere with the police stopping the protest. It's almost like they don't want to help. Plus, it's not the English way. You know, a real English protest would apologise for the inconvenience, drink a cup of tea, and calmly go off and colonise another country. Uh, it kind of brings a, a whole new meaning to the word slacktivist, Veronica. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the idea that they were all like, okay, the plan for today, go floppy. <laughs> <laughs> I just think is uh, so good. It sounds so immature. That's the thing. I feel like it's something that I would have done with my siblings growing up is to have flopped myself so that it would have been harder for them to deal with me. Like, I feel like the next thing they'll do is start giving each other wet wheelies, you know? <laughs> That's the next logical step. I love the fact that the guy saying it is a, he's a lord. Like, <laughs> his, name is, his name is Sir House. And he's like, now Sir House has the floor. And he's sitting there with his, like, top hat and monocle being like, gentlemen, they are going floppy. They're uh... flopping everywhere. <laughs> it definitely feels like he's having, like, problems at home and he started this rant about protesters and he's just ended up with like problems with his wife but it's just it's it's a beautiful beautiful fight this one (laughs) and also like you know like i the british i imagine very similar to australians in a lot of ways if you have protesters and you tell them not to do something because it's working. <laughs> what are you expecting the result of it? Like you're taught, it's like telling a child not to eat the chocolate. Like it's the first thing they're going to do now. Mm, everyone's going to be flopping everywhere. There's going to be no stiffs. Everyone's floppy. <laughs> Blake, have you seen many floppy protesters at the border? No, there haven't been too many, thank God, because, you know, up in Cora, we don't, we don't really give a shit about anything rather than going to the pub on a Saturday night. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I just I think it's not really any protester's job to make the police officer's job any easier. So, you know, slacktivism really isn't helpful, but, like, that's the point. It shouldn't be helpful at all. 
I love this quote. This is the quote from the copper, and I'm just going to try it in a, in, a, in a toffee voice, you know. Uh, we've asked them to stop being floppy, and that might seem like a silly thing to say, but when we arrest them and pick them up, they all go floppy, which is why you see four or five officers trying to carry them away. It's a complete waste of the officer's time and a complete pain in the neck. The problem with them going floppy and four officers carrying them away is that it looks like to the general public, like the police are overreacting here. We're not making them go floppy. They're just sort of being a nuisance, you know? I just love that quote. It's so good. It's really next level Extinction Rebellion being a nuisance though. Like in Australia, they're stopping traffic. They're hanging from Story Bridge. They're, but in America, in um, the UK, they're flopping. <laughs> <laughs> a, a nation with a proud tradition of the stiff upper lip is now just <laughs> having like a stiff upper nothing. <laughs> Irrational fear. Once it was... Reluctantly aroused. It was hard to get it aroused, and it is hard to get it aroused, but we got it aroused. This is a rational fear. All right, Australia, it has been a stressful six months, no doubt about it. Back when this pandemic first hit, um, when the government went on vacation, and in its place, they put a team of fossil fuel executives to run the joint. In a major health crisis, they got the gas bros in charge. And during the health crisis, we kept hearing that gas is going to save us. Sure enough, last month, when, when Parliament came back, the gas bros said, you know what will end this pandemic? Gas. And at the start of this week, the government announced a new gas plant that no one wants, no one can pay for, and no one will invest in, so the government's going to pay for it. And then later on this week, the government also pulled out all Commonwealth support for renewables on the conceit they don't need it. So here to work out whether we're, whether we're turning on the lights with gas or whether we're just being gas lit is Bryn O'Brien from the Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility. G'day, Bryn. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, it's been a pretty wild week this week in gas-related news. Can you shed some light on what we've experienced over the last six months? And uh, my question is... Have we been fracked? Oh, look, where do I start? We have seen the most predatory behaviour, basically. Um, Since this whole shit show began, we have seen gas companies, their lobbyists and their political mates yeah, just absolutely fracking us, just just going for it. So, you know, as you say, we've now got um, our uh, the institutions that are supposed to to uh, fund clean energy development, um, considering funding gas, considering funding carbon capture and storage. We've got a gas-fired power station on the table from Angus Taylor and Scott Morrison that the um, the regulator said regulator said as we do not need um, investors and the private sector are unprepared to fund, so taxpayers are on the hook. And we've got basically a, a Marvel villain, Andrew Liveris, um, <laughs> advising the government. Like if, we, if we're talking corporate Marvel villains, like this, this dude's up there advising the government on on how much we need more gas and and calling himself an environmentalist. Like it's, we're in wild land. I just happened to catch National Press Club this week when he spoke and he gave several <laughs> contradictory statements, which blew my mind. He first of all did say, yes, I'm an environmentalist. And then he went on to say, oh, but I believe we need to go beyond 20 net ne- uh, carbon neutral by 2050. And it's like, well, why are you building a gas plant? And then he said, oh, you know, gas is 60% emissions of coal, which, of course, for people who know, gas is also four times more effective at trapping heat than, than coal emissions. And you know what doesn't have coal, doesn't have emissions? Solar and wind. It's so, it's, it, it was a very painful display at the National Press Club. 
Yeah, it's um, it's pretty wild, and and the I thought that maybe the most depressing and weirdest part of it was actually Andrew Liveris trying to kind of brand himself as some sort of modern day intellectual of human rights and the international legal order. It was it was utterly wild-eyed, bizarre stuff. Yeah, it was like he was running for the Secretary General of the UN or something. It was very much like it. David Crow from Nine asked him, how does he reconcile working with Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Solomon, who killed uh, Khashoggi? <laughs> and then Andrew Liveris said in the same sentence, well, you know, thanks for your question, David. You might think I'm going to shy away from that. Let me talk to you about Black Lives Matter. Like, he just... He just yeah. like did this incredible pivot. And then he kind of was holier than now and he went on and said, oh, uh, oh look, I'm the first to say that CEOs get paid too much. And he, he, he does get paid. When he was at Dow, he did get paid too much. In fact, uh, in between t- 2007 to 2010, he did about a million dollars worth of expenses on his personal expense account, which included uh, a safari for his family, hundreds of thousands of dollars for Super Bowl parties, $13,000 worth of uniforms for his son's basketball team and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like this guy is an absolute jerk and he was running the country for the last six months. How do we end up, how do we end up with that? Well, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, and so he's, well, he's running, he's part of what's called the manufacturing task force, which is set up, I reckon. So after the bushfires, ScoMo and, and Pals were like, what are we going to do about this? We're getting smashed. Everyone is is really upset about climate change. And they were like, but we've kind of already said to the petroleum lobby and all the petroleum companies, we're going to help you, help you guys out. And then the pandemic hits and they're like, they can't believe their luck. They're like, everyone's forgotten about the bushfires. We are here for gas-fired recovery. So it's like one of those frozen pizza policies. They just pull it out of the freezer and they're like, solution to COVID, gas. Makes absolutely no sense, but it's there. They had to do something quickly. So uh, Liveris is the head of the, this manufacturing task force. But kind of tragicomically, Nev Power, former CEO of Fortescue Metals Group, is head of the COVID Recovery Commission. Um, and this combination, I mean, it's I mean, it's diabolical, it's ridiculous, um, but it's so Australian. <laughs> we should put it on the citizenship set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what level of dickhead are you? Um, if high, then you get some sort of extremely important position in our in our economic recovery. Absolutely. So how do we end up? paying for this gas plant that nobody wants? Like how is that going to manifest and is it a sure thing? Well, so it's not a sure thing and, um, uh, look, a lot can happen between now and I think they've said April is the is the decision point. In terms of how it's going to manifest, as I understand it, the wholly owned Commonwealth entity Snowy Hydro is going to build it. Um, is what they're saying, and and, and so the, taxpayers the, are on the hook for it. The Snowy Hydro, the company that does the hydro and the and the battery, are going to build a gas plant. Yeah, it's beautiful. It doesn't even make sense. Like it, it's absolutely it's it. I it's very odd to see. Like it, it's kind. Of, it's a tough one with this gas. I mean, trying to keep it across it during the week, and you can tell it's important. But it, it it there's something about gas that is like uniquely boring. Um, and so it can be a little bit tough to like 
get people to care. But this does feel universally reviled. Like there's very there's no supporters of this almost anywhere. Yeah, except for Joel Fitzgibbon, helpfully, right, of the Labor Party, mm-hmm. Party. Who, who's really pumped for, um, you know, the four jobs that it's going to create in the Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it hasn't been making the nightly news bulletins, has it? Have I missed it and it's so boring, like it sounds not sexy enough that I haven't paid enough attention? It's tough. I've, talk, I've spoken to a few journalists who have been like, it's like we've talked about it for a few days and you just can't, the, the, the audience is just sort of just goes right over their head, gas chat. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? Someone needs to yeah. make gas chat sexy. Yeah. We are right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I don't know if we are, whether it's just my, whether I'm just so furious about it that I'm just, I'm forcing it upon you all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. We need it to be forced. But it completely, it, it drives me insane because uh, methane and gas is such an intense greenhouse gas and it, 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 it holds more heat than coal emissions and CO2. And we are mentally, we, we've just come out of a traumatic period where we've suffered huge amount of fires. The States is on fire right now. Siberia was on fire a few weeks ago. And we are mentally meant to be shifting our economy as quickly as possible to zero emissions. And this is the exact opposite of that. The yeah, it's opposite. really, really, really bad. Um, and so, look, this gas package that ScoMo and uh, Scotty from Marketing and um, Angus Taylor and friends are putting up is one that will subsidise the extraction, transport and burning of gas. So when it's when it's extracted from the ground, when the holes are drilled and you're kind of sucking the gas out, that releases fossil fuels into the atmosphere. It releases or it releases um, methane into the atmosphere, which, as you say, has this incredibly bad warming effect. And we don't even know in Australia. So companies don't actually measure how much methane is, is released. In, in that process, they just guess. And, of course, they guess low, right? Um, then there's, they're planning on funding pipelines. Um, and on the extraction side, I should mention that the madness of this is that the government is prioritising expansion into totally new fossil fuels basins. So in order to keep to limit global warming, the main thing we can do is to keep fossil fuels in the ground. They're talking about subsidising and accelerating expansion into projects like the Santos Narrabri project, which is totally opposed by the community, like the Origin Beetaloo project, which is opposed for year year on year by traditional owners, Aboriginal traditional owners who, who are connected to that land. Those guys are so pissed off that they attended the AGM of Origin Energy for the last two years consecutively to be able to look the chairman in the eye and say, we do not want you on our land. We do not consent to this. These are the kinds of projects that the government is ideologically desperate to fund at this moment. But it does, like, how are they picking this moment? How are they picking this moment to do this? This This is the most environmentally sensitive moment that we're living through and they're choosing to... Like what's going through their heads that they think that this is a good idea that's going to play politically well? Uh, well, um, everyone's distracted, I think. Um, everyone's in lockdown. People are, are worried about, about their health and they have other priorities. And so the gas industry and their lobbyists and their you know, political mates have very cynically you know, chosen this moment, never waste a good crisis. They've chosen this moment to be predatory and that is the only word for it. Well, Bryn, what can we do? 
looking at you for well, advice here. Uh, what can we do to have <laughs> make us feel better off the back of this? Look, I think you, um, Dan, like in your intro when you're sort of just yelling, that was the feeling that I had when I was watching Andrew Liveris's uh, National Press Club speech. Like I'm a little bit hoarse because I re-watched it in preparation <laughs> for tonight and I was, just, I was just yelling at the screen, just going, being like, you're a madman, like stop saying these these words don't mean anything you're crazy not anyway, only is he a madman he um, looks so like I, a, he looks he looks like the monopoly man that's what that's what really tips you yeah. off you know if someone looks like monopoly it was, man it was <laughs> yeah it was it was wild um so um look stay on top of it get really fired up what we do at accr is we use a, a kind of funny but quite powerful tactic so we go and hold shares in listed companies so we go and hold shares in listed companies, find other people who, people who hold shares in listed companies, including like Woodside, Santos, Origin, BHP, all the big petroleum companies in Australia. We hold the, hold those shares. Um, we go and engage with those companies for the purpose of trying to influence them. And probably more importantly, we go and talk to their big institutional investors like super funds. And super funds who represent regular people uh, and invest over the term of a working life. So they're uh, interested in the kind of environment that member, their members will retire into, tend to have uh, stronger climate commitments than than others. Uh, than oh, sorry, than the, than the companies that they invest in. So yeah. they try to make the companies that they invest in uh, a little bit more responsible, or hopefully a lot more responsible. So if you're looking for something to do, go get a really um, really disgusting share portfolio. So my share portfolio, <laughs> if you um, if you saw it. And you didn't know me, you'd be like, A, this person's a psychopath, and B, they're a really bad investor. What are you like, what, what are you in, what just, are you investing in? You're investing in Shell, oh, Exxon, like Chevron. Got, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got oil and gas, I've got heavy industrials, I've got airlines. <laughs> I've got I've got cultural heritage destroyers. Like oh, I've got yeah. the word I've got sexual harassers, right? Yeah. Like it's disgusting. Is it cultural heritage? Also, yeah. I didn't realise cultural heritage destroyers were publicly listed. I should go and Oh, Rio Tinto, BHP, Fortescue Metals, all publicly listed. Go and get yourself a little shareholding. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. Once you get a yeah. shareholding, what kind of power do you have as a, as, a, as a shareholder, like a very small shareholder? Yeah, so um, you have a formal right under the Corporations Act to with 99 other shareholders, so 100 shareholders acting together in ACCR plays this kind of convening role, you have a right to put an item on the agenda for a discussion at the annual general meeting of the company and a vote of shareholders. So give you an example, um, we've got a resolution um, at the moment which is live with BHP, which has the support of this new coalition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations called the First Nations Heritage Protection Alliance. We've got a shareholder proposal to BHP calling on them to adopt a moratorium on cultural heritage destruction until um, the laws are strengthened. What are you talking about? That, that's that's what they do. That's what they love doing best. That's their modus <laughs> They operandi. really love it. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Bryn. Uh, you've given us a little bit of hope and it's a shame that that bit of hope means we have to go and invest in uh, fossil fuel companies. <laughs> 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 thanks for having you guys. That's it for Irrational Fear this week. Big thanks to our fear mongers, Blake Pavey, Veronica Milsom, Bryn O'Brien and Lewis Hobber. Uh, do you guys have anything to plug? Um, Blake, do you want to plug anything? Yeah, probably just follow me on TikTok, follow me on Instagram, just search my name anywhere. You'll probably find me on it in some capacity. So just 
go get branded and you'll get some good content out of it, hopefully. So, uh, so yeah, that's all I've got to plug. Blake, are you doing schoolies or what's up? Um, I was. I did have my um, all my stuff booked for the Gold Coast in November, but obviously uh, everything's been cancelled. So me and the boys are uh, talking about having a trip up to Byron Bay for a little <laughs> bit of a shindig. So if that happens, it'll be good. But um, probably I don't really have the money to do anything now, so, uh, oh, yeah. so probably not. What about that TikTok cash? Yeah, how much are you making yeah. off TikTok? Talk. You got half a million followers. You must be. Uh, you must be a billionaire by now. Absolutely nothing. I've made not a cent on <laughs> any social media. So uh, that's my next goal, probably just to monetize everything. But um, but no, no money. Have some kids. <laughs> <laughs> Have some kids. That's great, uh, Veronica. You want to plug anything? Well, yeah, I've got this. <laughs> Since you mentioned my kids and monetizing them, um, yeah, I've got this uh, podcast called Zero Waste Baby, which you should uh, definitely get around. And actually, you know, the only. I was just thinking about this. The only shares I've ever invested in, and like for real, was AMP just before all the shit went down. Like literally two <laughs> days. Oh, man. <laughs> so I can pretend that I invested for um, corporate good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, a, you're yeah. A, yeah, corporate work, corporate good. Um, Lewis Hobby, you want to plug anything? No, Dan. Uh, and Bryn, do you want to plug anything? Oh, just go and become a, a fun uh, shareholder. Get yourself a filthy share portfolio and, you know, get hook in. That's great. Thank you. And um, I'm going to plug um, my Gold Coast uh, schoolies tickets, which I can't get to anymore as well. So if uh, anyone wants to buy some schoolies packages, uh, hit me up in my DMs and I'll sell them to you. All right. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Please chip in with our Patreon. Big thank you to our Patreon supporters and the Bertha Foundation and our post-producer Jacob Brown on the Teppanyaki Timeline. Contributors this episode include David Bluestein and James Colley. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Goodbye. 